0: So glad you're here this morning thank you for joining us those of you that are here and uh we appreciate you wearing your masks and t- staying distance with each other just to, out of abundance of caution so thank you for being here though i'm so thankful that we get to gather uh, i think uh, personally i may have taken that um for granted a little bit and so i'm so glad that the lord uh, is allowing for us to to be together like this uh, and and not only allowing but god encourages us uh, do not keep uh, forsake the gathering and so i'm so glad that you're here For those of you that are joining online, we also understand that, and so we're glad that you have chosen to join us online as well. We have a couple of special guests with us this morning uh, from what is going to be Redemption North Mountain. Uh, Josh Watt is here, who is planning this church, North Mountain, as well as Chandler Cruz, who's going to lead us in a couple of our worship songs this morning. So, so thankful that you guys are here as well. Let me pray for us. God, we're so glad that you have given us this opportunity of, of gathering together corporately. Uh, we know that you're present um, all the time. We know that you are omnipresent, but Lord, we, we are particularly thankful for the times that we get to gather together with you and with your body. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified uh, this morning as we worship you, as we hear from your word, uh, Lord, as we take communion together, uh, the ways that we get to connect with you this morning, we praise you for them and are thankful for them. And so, God, I pray that you would bless our time today. And uh, bless this church plant as well, Lord. Uh, we, we pray for Redemption North Mountain and the church that you are forming uh, them to be. And we pray that, Lord, we'd be able to partner with uh, Redemption North Mountain in any way possible and that you be glorified in all these things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, would you stand and we'll worship together.
1: Well, this song says, I searched the world and it couldn't fill me. And that there's nothing better than Jesus. And if this time has taught me anything, it's, it's that everything else that we, put our, that we put our trust in, that we put our faith in, is fickle and it will go away. And it can be shut down, it can be turned off, but the one thing that can't be turned off is, is Christ and the gospel. So let's sing this out, that there's nothing better than our Lord. And I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise and treasures to keep are never enough. And then You came along, and You put me back together. Desires now satisfied here in your love come on there's nothing better oh there's nothing better than you no there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing nothing is better than I'm not afraid To show you my weakness My failures and flaws Lord, you've seen them all And you still call me friend Cause the
2: God of the
1: mountain Is the God of the valley else can satisfy so oh, there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing better than you Lord there's nothing no nothing is better than you sing that one more time Lord there's nothing better than Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Christ is the Come on, every voice. Go on.
0: God, we're so thankful for you, that you are our portion and our prize, and God, may we boldly proclaim you, our treasure, to this world. Lord, would you be glorified in all these things, in the name of Jesus, amen. Please remain standing uh, for the reading of the word of God. Good morning. The reading for today is from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
3: Good morning. You guys, Good morning. I was, hey Frank, how's it going over there? Well, my name is Josh and I'm a redemption pastor and I was introduced along with Chandler Good-looking man right there, and we were part of Redemption Gateway, which is as far southeast as you can be in the valley before you're in Florence, so none of you have ever gone to Gateway, I'm sure, except for maybe Frank for a meeting, but now we've all moved out this way because we want to plant a church, and I get to tell you about this morning, so we're taking a little pause from the Gospel of John, and I just want to just walk you through some things that are on my heart. First, I want to introduce me and my family, just to give you a little context of why I look tired, that's why I've got four little boys, Ozzy is baby, little two-year-old, then we got Jude, little first-grader, then Roman, and then the big guy, Elijah, so 10, 8, 6, and 2, and then my sweet bride, Aubrey, that is the Watt crew, and we are just exhausted, and the boys are tired of online school, so if I get it all cranky, It's not you, it's not this place, it's just the season. So that's my family. And I get to tell you now just about why I love the church. That's what I'm going to do today. It's going to feel a little bit like an infomercial. Anybody used to watch infomercials by choice? Me, Frank, and Scripture Reader. I loved infomercials. Three people. I didn't have cable growing up. I wasn't one of those rich kids. I had like six channels. So the way I got extra entertainment is I would say play and I'd watch infomercials. And they'd try to sell you on everything that you did not know that you actually needed. Like a meat dehydrated. Like the ab wheel, Like the Bowflex. Like basically every great product that mankind has ever been missing out on. The infomercial would tell you, this is what you've been missing. And my mom would tell me at age four, I'd walk into a room and say, Mom, we got to buy this thing. We, our life's been missing out on this meat dehydrator. Can you please, three payments of $39.95, this has got to be ours. I am here to give you sort of an infomercial, but here's what's a little different. It's nothing new. It's something some of you are very fond of, very aware of, very involved in, and that's the local church. A lot of you are here because the local church has mattered in your life. Some of you are brand new to this and you're falling in love with it. Some of you are growing an affection and a desire and just a love for the local church. I am going to talk about the local church. And as I thought about just you guys and praying through Arcadia for this message, why would anybody want to listen to me? Who am I? Just another redemption guy that's going to come in here for a moment. Be gone. Why? Why? And I think we're all just in this hard season. We know that. But here's what's happening in the church world. Is people are starting to make decisions about how important they think the local church actually is. Because everything's been squeezed out. All of our rhythms are to the rubble. And now we get to kind of remake life. And a lot of people in the church are now deciding, is the local church that important to my life? to purpose, to my kids' life. Like, and we're all kind of making that decision. And here's my big prayer. This is what I've been praying for for you guys as I've been preparing this message, that you guys would walk out of here with a resounding yes. The local church matters. It's important. It is the hope of the world. If I had a big idea, that's it. The local church is, is the hope of the world no matter what season we're in, in prosperity or the current season we're in. The local church. Church matters. It is the hope of the world. So I'm just going to walk you through. I, don't, I haven't preached in a while because pandemic and I quit my other job. So Frank took a swing and let's. I could go 10 minutes. I could go two hours. So buckle up. But I've got four questions. Here's what I'm going to ask today. Why the church? Why me? Why here? Talking about where we're going and why now? Why the church? Why me? Why here? Why now so that's where we're going so here's the question I want to ask with why the church what is the point of human history if we go and just talk with normal folks middle of the road folks people in our businesses people in our work people in our homes our cousins our aunts our mothers what is the point of life you're obviously going to get an array of answers and that's part of what COVID is doing it's kind of pressing on the answers we all had to that question on what is the point of life and we're getting squeezed and we're testing the validity of some of our answers what is the point of life what is the point on a macro level of human history and on a micro level how do I fit into the point of life and that's what we read in Habakkuk there it says this for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Habakkuk is kind of a journal, I journal a lot, it's kind of his thoughts with God in the middle of a divided kingdom, stuff's crumbling, stuff we can all relate to, and he's kind of journaling, and he's talking about just all the stuff he sees that's wrong, and this is just a little glimmer of hope in one of his kind of lamenting sections, and he says this, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, this will happen. This is going to happen, regardless of what the pundits say currently. What is the point of the history of the world, Habakkuk? The knowledge of the Lord is going to fill this place. Period. End of statement. That's why this world was created. So then a follow-up question comes. Well, how's that going to happen? How is the knowledge of the glory of the Lord going to fill this place as the waters fill the sea? How? What is the mechanism? What is the tool? What is the system? What is, what is going to make that possible? And here's my answer. It is simple. It is the church. First Peter says we are the called out people to proclaim the excellencies of him who called out of all, us out of darkness into this marvelous light. We are the called out ones. Why? To proclaim him, to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That is the point of human history. And in my home, what is the point of the wad home? To fill that place with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord the best we can. What is your role in your work? God has placed you to fill that place with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to the best of your ability by the spirit of God. That is why we're here, Period and we're in a season where everybody's getting their thesis, their hypothesis on life tested. This is the only thesis that will stand. Jude says it like this. I have to write, I took this from the message. I have to write you talking to the Christians of that day, begging you that you fight with everything you have for this faith you have been entrusted as a gift to guard and to cherish it. And I might add and to pass it on. See, the church, I I picture an intersection. The church stands always at an intersection. There's this sort of vertical intersection where what Jude's talking about, the faith that's been entrusted to us, is being passed down generationally. From one age group to the next. From one time period to the next. It is being entrusted here and passed down here and entrusted here to do the same. That's one of the intersections. I mean, this is why there's issues with different age demographics when you think about church. I remember my wife and I went to a bed and breakfast. We lived in Texas for a chunk of time in the hill country of Texas. Beautiful. And the nightstand has this book of worship. And I read it, and the preface is all about, all right, I know this is going to be a controversial book. But I, we're, we serve the same God, all these sort of nuance and preface. And he was preparing his church to ditch the organ and move to a piano and he was saying all right deep breath deep breath deep breath and that book was not written all that long ago why because it's not easy and natural to take this faith and pass it down to this faith so we've got that road the other intersection is geographically or culturally at the same time we're passing the faith this way we're passing the faith this way from one culture to the next African Americans to whites and Hispanics to Dominicans we are passing the faith across cultures so we have this intersection the church sits at the center Jude says you've been entrusted with this faith to pass on in these directions Why? Because the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill this place. And the image I've grown to love instead of an intersection is a roundabout. There's not a lot of these. You kind of get them as you go on I-17. But a roundabout is inherently clunky. It's inherently gray. It's not a black and white, green, yellow, red. It's I got to go into this thing thinking about this person and this person as I enter into this. And the church, we've all entered by grace into this thing. And we enter now by grace and we receive and pass on by grace. But our job as the church is not to have a comfortable experience that fills us. It is to enter the roundabout of faith that's been passed on for generations and then to play our role here in the local church. Why? Because the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill this place. And I want to play a part of that because that's the only thing that's going to win out. When it's all said and done. Are you guys in the amen church? I, amen. That's, that's why we do this. leads me to the second question. Well, Why me? Frank told me when I met with Frank. He's like, you got to puff yourself up a little. Don't be afraid. I'm like, I don't know. But why, why, why me? Who am I? You've seen my kids. You've heard me teach for a grand total of 12 minutes now. Why me? The core is this. I love Jesus. Like, I didn't grow up in the church. There was no passing on of faith in my home. I built my life on what a high school kid builds their life on, sports, and the glory of girls, and the glory of whatever the temporalness of high school is, I built it on. And God took all those from me. And I went to an FCA baseball camp, and I met Jesus. And I fell in love, and he gave me a center to my life that I never had prior to that moment. And he's been my center ever since I love Jesus. More than that, I love the church. I, lo- I love being here. I cried through half a worship. I love the people of God in all their warts. I love the local church. And I love being a part of Redemption Church specifically. See, I'm kind of an oddball. My wife grew up in church. I didn't. The first church I went to, I loved. And then I stumbled into Redemption. And I've just had glorious, I'm like the spoiled kid of the church world. I just, I love the church. I don't have any baggage. I know that's not everybody's story, but I love what the local church is and has been for me. I love it. And I love what Redemption Church has been for me and for my sons and for my wife. But why specifically church planning? So I... Was a math teacher before this. I was talking to Caleb before. He's like, "What's your background?" Well, I went to GCU, got a math degree, and then I went to TCU in Fort Worth, Texas, got another math degree. Woo, TCU, yeah, sort of Texas. I love Texans; they are the best, unashamed in any room. Texas. So I w- got some math degrees, and I taught math for years and years and years, and I loved it. And then something stirred in me. It was actually a conversation with an older gal. She was the wife of an elder at a church in Texas, and she says, "Have you ever thought about?" teaching the bible like and that just started me on this process of following the lord out of teaching math and into the local church and my wife and i decided after our first son was born we were going to move back here i'm from the west valley she's from the east valley to be a part of a church plant out in who knows where way the heck out there i didn't know anything about that place and it was called second mile at the time it's now been redemption gateway but i came back because i wanted this I wanted to see if God had affirmed this, this was a thing that I should be doing. And I wanted to be a part of a healthy local church that would be part of my development. So I did that. I took over student ministry at the beginning. It was like eight students. And I just served and God gave me a little and then he gave me some more. and. As of January this year, I was sort of on the lead team. I was the family pastor. We had 300-plus teenagers and tons of families in this big, booming part of town where everybody's moving because it's a lot cheaper than in town. And I was just affirmed along the way, not in just a, I went off. I see this, I deal a lot with college kids. They go off and they pray about something. Well, God told me this, and this is usually dumb or not God-like wisdom. I said, I I don't think God told you this. Let's talk about this. So God told me to move into ministry, and I slowly walked alongside people who have poured into me and have been a part of a healthy church experience for 10 years now. And then about two years ago, I was fasting for the first time for seven days. I'm like, all right, let's try this out. I'd I'd fasted for a day or three days. I'm going to try seven days. My wife's like, that sounds dumb. I I don't know why you do that, but... Like, I I want God to say something to me. So I fasted, and at the end of my fast, a friend of mine who's a pastor said, I need to meet with you. And I met with him, and he essentially said, I think you should plant a church. I'd like to be a part of it, maybe. What do you think? And I said, well, I've been praying for seven days for God to say something. And it's day seven. I get to eat tomorrow, and you're telling me some pretty cool news i get to chew on now so that started a process of praying we had lived in kind of downtown chandler at the time and i thought that's where it was going to be i'll just do something in downtown chandler with some friends and people i know i've been building life with for 10 years and god closed that door so we kept praying kept praying kept praying kept praying but all along my wife and i decided here's the thing we both know for certainty we are not leaving redemption church My wife has a lot of church history. She knows not all churches are created equal. Even though we love the local church, she's like, I want to always be a part of redemption. So our prayer became, where would God want another redemption church? And that leads me to, why here? Why the church? Why me? Why here? I want to show you a map of where my wife and I have landed in terms of where we want to be. And you can see, It's interesting because Arcadia will be our closest brethren. I like that church word. You guys are the closest people to us. Alhambra's pretty close. But kind of I-17 to the 51, Shea up to Greenway-ish, Thunderbird-ish is the area where we've decided we want to plant Redemption North Mountain. That's our spot. That's where we're going. We just bought a house in that area and about seven other families from way out there have moved in that direction as well along with me, um, but that's the area. So then some people say, here's what everybody at Gateway said, why there? Why there? And I think the image that the New Testament uses the most, or the, the set of images that Jesus, the Apostle Paul, most people use are agrarian images when they talk about the Christian faith, the Christian life, or the church, meaning it's always like something with plants. And if you don't like plants, then you, you miss a lot of the New Testament. I love plants. But there's this sense that Jesus wants us to hammer down on these agrarian images. And the Apostle Paul is no different. You could say, why, 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 why those? Why? Well, it's because it's what was around them. I think that's a big part of it. But also I think it's this. I 100% believe that these images, both for the Christian life and the church, are best because of the nature of the agrarian lifestyle. You work hard, you have a plan, but mostly you are trying to line up with the will of the land and sync up with the will of the land. Likewise, the Christian is not building stuff on his own merit or his own will or his own strength. The Christian and the local church is trying to line up with what our God is doing and get in line with what he is doing. 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. The only image in my office that's not a family picture is a picture of a farm. And I have it in there because in 1 Timothy, Paul is telling young Timothy what the Christian life, specifically what ministry is going to be like. And he's like, it's like being a farmer. It's like being an athlete. It's like being a soldier. He's like, think about these things. And God will give you understanding. Young guy, full of energy, Timothy, I'm going to go. It's like farming, Timothy. Go off in a field and think about this. So church planning, Redemption Church, at its best, is when we're lining up with the will of the father of this land. That's What we're, I mean, Frank and the Arcadia leadership, honestly, is the most open-handed, generous, just great bunch of people. Why? Because we're all just working some land temporarily, and God's going to do what God's going to do. But specifically, how did this North Phoenix part come to be? Well, prayer and fasting. I told you the story of the one guy telling me, let's plant a church. That led to more prayer and fasting. And then two people, two very... Key leaders met me separate of each other, and they said, hey, have you ever thought about, and they basically drew that rectangle I showed you. I'm like, ah, is that where Thunderbird High School, I'm trying to remember my high school baseball days, I I don't know. And I met with another guy, he's like, I feel like God has some work to be done, and he basically draws the same rectangle. So me and my wife go back to each other, like, well, Maybe that's what God's saying. So I asked some church planners, some people that have started new stuff. I'm like, all right, all the spiritual stuff aside, how do I know to land somewhere? And and they all said something along the lines of, you got to like the neighborhood, and your wife actually has to like the neighborhood. You're not going to last. You're not going to last long term. So my wife and I started driving out to North Phoenix, driving and praying, driving and praying, pre-COVID, so we could occasionally get out and eat and enjoy the space a little bit, and we loved it. And eventually we landed early this year. All right, God is calling us to this area of town. And I met with the North Phoenix Surge, which meets at like 32nd Street in Union Hills. And it was just a surreal moment because I go to that thing. And I'm going to show you a picture here. But these are pastors in the North Phoenix area, kind of North Scottsdale PV over to North Phoenix. That's me in the center. And this group has been praying for more church planners in that area for years now. More recently, they've kind of honed in prayers and they said, we'd really like not a parachute. We don't want somebody from Fort Wayne, Indiana, popping in here trying to take over this place. But we, we kind of want a local person. God, send us church planner. Local would be nice, you know, kind of your. And then I'm not the answer to prayer, but I'm. I feel like I'm moving in the will of the guy who's in control of all the land. Um, and that's why we landed there. And then I, I get to tell Gateway, and it was a scary decision telling Gateway, because we could have started, Gateway has just tons of people moving out there. I mean, just everybody from California is moving over there, because they can buy seven houses for what they sold their house for. <laughs> so there's just endless opportunities for churches out there. So when I landed on this faraway thing, it was like me and my wife both had to look at each other and say, all right, are we good saying goodbye to lots of friendships and people and walking through a door not knowing what's on the other side? And we said, it sounds like what faith would require of us. Let's go. And we did it. And we got to tell Gateway. I made my announcement. And then something called COVID hit about two days later and shut the world down. And it was too late to turn back. And we were on our way. To North Phoenix we wanted to put our house on the market like April 1st you know everything's getting really clamped down I asked my realtor I'm like hey I'm getting antsy I, I told my church I'm leaving I'd really love to sell this house he's like let's wait like three days it'll, it'll be over in a couple days <laughs> that was April 1st my iPad says it's August 23rd so it's, needless to say he was off by a bit but we moved and they, God's brought some people with us, like I said, and he's forming this team, and we really love the area, and we love Jesus. I read this blog about why hypey, quick-starting ministry isn't what's needed in this day and age. It says, more compelling than any hype pastor or custom, custom-tailored packaging is a church's steady, committed, hand-to-the-plow presence that will create lasting change for better in the lives and in the communities, A Man, that is the local church, and we're going to do it, Redemption, North Mountain. My final question, why now? Why do this now? I get two responses when I tell people what I'm doing. If it's a non-Christian, I say, I'm planning a church. What is that? You've got to work through the I'm going to start a church, and they, oh, cool, whatever. I tell Christians, especially Christian leaders, what are you doing? I want to plan a church. Oh, hey yeah 20 really did you think that's what you want to be doing like it's going to be a lot of work and i'm like yeah i I didn't know covid was going to hit when i said yes to all this but why plant a church now in the middle of 2020 why is our birth story as a church going to be this crazy season we're all in well i said god's doing this and the spirit's moving and we want to join up but why? Like I've asked every time I get to with smaller groups, and I, I'm like, "What do you think God is doing?" It's a question I'm like just to hear how people are processing what's happened. What do you think God's doing? Because whatever this church plan is going to be it has to be in line with what God's doing; otherwise, it's going to fail. And I'm going to be back in a high school teaching math. What, what what is God doing? Like what? Here's the answer. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God is making himself known now as he always is, except now it's just such a wonky season that people might just be listening in a little more intently. I love random Old Testament stories. My, I like obscure ones. I like to... That's how we started naming our kids. What's a crazy story? Elijah. All right, that's a, that's a great name. And this was actually, this is one of the most obscure stories of the Old Testament. It's the story I want to end on. It's a guy named Micaiah. I couldn't get my wife to agree to it because nobody could spell it. But this, he's a great prophet. He's kind of in the time, he's like a disciple of Elijah, so the kingdom split. If you don't know the Bible, Israel was doing great, this kind of single kingdom, they're prospering, and then the kingdom splits, and they're trying to figure out life in this divided kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and the prophets are kind of the the church of the moment speaking truth into that day and age. And they're speaking, and not many people are listening. And the king Ahab of Israel... Wants to take over some more land. He kind of wants to do an extension project. And he wants to join up with the other kingdom and, you know, go and get some more land. Because Israel was promised the earth by God. So let's go get a little bit more land. So he joins up with Jehoshaphat, who's the king in Judah at the time. And Jehoshaphat said, did you ask the prophets? Ahab said, yeah, of course. How many? Asked 400 prophets. What'd they say? The Lord will give you victory. Go get him, Ahab. Jehoshaphat says, did you ask everybody? And Ahab goes, well, there's this one guy. But I don't like him. <laughs> I picture him being the Tom Schrader of the Old Testament. Just kind of the guy that's going to say what he's going to say, regardless of what you think about him. This one guy, Micaiah, but he never prophesies good for me. Well, Jehoshaphat says, go, go get him. He comes, Micaiah sits, and there's all this royalty, and they're all sitting on their thrones and just pomp and circumstance and just all the earthly whatever you'd want is there in that room. And there's 400, 500 prophets all echoing the same thing. You will win. You will win. Shh. Micaiah, what do you say? you will win, you will win. And the guy says, Micaiah, I know that's not what you think. He's like, do you want my truthful answer? Yes. If you do this, you will be slaughtered. Your people will be slaughtered. You will be spread out like sheep without a shepherd. Thus saith the Lord. And Ahab said, see, I told you. Why would you bring him in? He never says anything good. And Ahab doesn't listen. Jehoshaphat does not listen, and they go and do, and they are slaughtered. And one voice proves true. How many voices do we have right now in this world? Holy smokes. Like, does anyone think, you know what, I could use more of? Opinions (laughs) and news columns. And common that's what my life's missing at this moment. We have 500 prophets all vowing for our attention. And there's this one voice. We call it the church. It's the called out ones to proclaim the excellencies of him who brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why? So that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters fill the sea, that is the church, that is why we're still here, we are no longer Micaiah's little prophets who get little revelation, we got the revelation, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and we know him, and we've seen him, and we've heard from him, and we've experienced him, and the world needs that voice more than ever, so why another church, because we have the one voice that needs to be listened to, period, I'm not that smart of a guy, I don't have a lot of stuff figured out. I don't come from great lineage, but I've got Jesus. And North Phoenix needs Jesus. Arcadia needs Jesus. Arizona needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. And God is going to do that until the knowledge of the glory, of the Lord, fills this place. And I just want to encourage you with this, Arcadia. I read this in a just a Zoom meeting. They said this quote it says people find their place in this world through contribution not through consumption. So I'm not necessarily here to take anyone with me. I really do love the local church. I love Arcadia. I love Frank and everyone here. I want to encourage you that your contribution in the local church, in the process of God's knowledge spreading and filling this earth, matters more than anything else. And I'm not saying to be priests and monks, but in your day-to-day lives as the local church, that is why we're here, to contribute to Habakkuk 2 coming true that's what we're doing amen. amen that's good news we need some more good news let me pray for us father thanks for worship and preaching and the gathering of your saints thank you for this idea that you had of the local church the hands and the feet and the mouth of jesus Not by merit, not by will, not by human strength or endeavor, but by the Spirit of God and through grace that we get to enter this clunky roundabout of humanity. Trying to figure out what it means to know you and pass that on to generation and pass that on to our neighbors side by side. I can't think of anything greater to give your life to, and I can't think of anything that requires your power and your leading more. So, God, lead us, lead Frank and the people here at Arcadia to be that, to be Habakkuk, too, in this part of town. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen.
4: Well, Josh, I'm <laughs> just thrilled that you were here today. Thanks. And um, I think it's interesting. I told you I wasn't going to form any questions. <laughs> so, I speed, so, you get- so it's kind of unscripted. All right. I do have some questions. Yeah. Some
3: Sports related or church related. All right, all right, all right. Gotcha. Yeah. um,
4: Right out of the gate, you you talk about you know people who want to jump in and and move fast ministries like that, and then you talked about how you talked about steady ply. Yeah. That just sounds like Tom. You know, Tom. Tom loved the idea of being a steady ply because you know haste. Right. um, Totally. Prophet. And um, so I appreciate that yeah. about you. And you, you, uh, you've you, been around a long time, so Tom has influenced you. And, yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about you and Aubrey and kind
3: yeah.
4: of your spiritual right. parents.
3: Parents, yeah. So I didn't grow up in the church. My dad... Became a Christian through a construction buddy who said, Hey, I'd really like you to go to this church, Northwest Community on 43rd Avenue in Bell. And a guy named Larry Wright was there teaching. And my, so my dad started to be discipled by this guy named Larry Wright. If you don't know him, he was a disc jockey, just a big name back in the day. I don't know how long ago. So the, my first introduction to the church is going, not having a relation with Jesus, but hearing this guy Larry speak. And I got saved at the end of high school. In grad school, I meet Aubrey. We get to talking. She's like, what's your faith background? And I mentioned Larry Wright. She's like, oh, my gosh. I My faith blew up at East Valley Bible where Tom Schrader, Tom Schrader was basically a disciple of this guy, Larry Wright. So they sound alike. They mimic each other. They're kind of, you know, cro- look alike, just crotchety old guys who are just going to tell you how it is. And they love Jesus more than anything. So we... So much so that Aubrey loves Tom Schrader. She, she has a deep effect. She was actually discipled by his first wife back in the day. Um, um, we thought about naming one of our sons Tom after Tom Schrader because he was like the spiritual father in life, and Larry Wright was the guy that made me fall, start to fall in love with the Bible. So that's
4: Yeah, our so God used Larry to bring Tom yeah. into the faith. Through and business then, Bible studies. Yeah. And, yep. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I think it was at Phoenix Country Club, a, a, really? a Bible study there, okay. where God saved Tom after listening to Larry right. for 45 right. minutes. Right. So, and Trader
3: wasn't, I mean, he was in his 40s when he became mm-hmm. a Christian, I think, right? 30. He okay. was 30.
4: Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was March sixth. I remember that because my birthday is March twelfth. So it was nice. March sixth, nineteen eighty, when gotcha. Tom became a, oh, wow. a Christian in the parking lot at, at uh, Phoenix Country Club. So after, a, uh, teaching, yeah. So that's some of you just know this uh, uh, ethos, the, the ethos, the lineage of redemption. You can trace it in a sense. You can trace it back to Larry Wright and then Tom and mm. and all that. And so I wanted to, you yeah. know. Uh, You know, there's a degree and a half of separation between everybody in Arizona and Tom, it seems like. (laughs) And that's just, again, true in in you and Aubrey. So um, kind of along that line, too, I have to tell you, I was struck by your illustration of the roundabout. Mm. Um, The the vertical line, the sort of horizontal line, um, so the generational line, the culture line, and the reason it was is because um, we spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. And the, the, t- the city in Wisconsin that we're close to, Oshkosh, uh, over the last 15 years, they've transitioned into nothing but roundabouts. roundabouts. Wow. And so every time we're there, isn't this true? We have these conversations <laughs> about how people use and approach roundabouts. And you have the two extremes. We have a friend, he's actually a friend of our son-in-law, Uh, He never stops when he enters the roundabout. (laughs) He thinks that's the way the roundabouts are supposed to work. He just, he never, he never even taps the brakes. He just goes into the roundabout. And if you happen to be going through there at that time, that's your tough luck. That's funny. (laughs) And then, of course, there are the people who get up to the roundabout, and they never go. (laughs) They need an engraved invitation from God himself. (laughs) Yes, you may enter the roundabout now. So, (laughs) We're living in a world like that oh, right man. now, too, where Holy. there are people who are waiting in Holy who shouldn't be waiting in, right. and there are people who are waiting because they don't understand faith. So right. maybe just talk a little bit about that and what it's like to plant a church in that culture. You know? Yeah, I
3: mean, Romans talks about how beautiful are the feet that go and share the good news. So much A guy in Texas that I loved, I loved how he walked through evangelism, he said... A lot of people's story, the reason they don't come to faith is just ignorance. They haven't been told, and they haven't received it yet. I think we forget that. We think there's all these crazy atheists, secular people who are just ready to fight and take down Christian faith. There is that, but there's also just people that are waiting around for someone to say, you want to hear some good news today? Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you about what he did in my life and my marriage, how he pulled me out of darkness? Can I tell you about? And they're just waiting. I mean, they're just. I mean, that's the gardening language. It's the seeds need to be sown so that God can cause the growth. And I just think lots. We come from a sort of reform tradition. I think reform tradition maybe puts too much brakes on people to go out and evangelize because you God's sovereignty. And you don't want to overstep, and you want to have good theology.
4: And bring I, the yeah, he'll bring the people. he'll bring the people. He'll
3: do it. I, I get that, but
4: get your butt out there and plant some seeds and get to yeah. work because God's gonna do it through your work. yeah. So I I know you've been around Redemption a long, long time. I I didn't know that you actually started with Second Mile. Tell us a little bit about that. So you and Luke have been together for a long
3: time. Yeah, so Redemption store. So me and Aubrey get married. I meet her. I'm finishing school in Texas. We come back and meet her. Married at East Valley Bible now, Redemption Gilbert. So our wedding invitation list is Tom Schrader, Tim Maughan, Luke Simmons, all these like godfathers of (laughs) Redemption Church. I don't know any of them. Um, I'm like, I'm just a West Valley kid. Cool. I, I hope they bring a good gift. Um, let's. Who are these folks? Go to Texas. Live in Texas. Start a life. Love it. Feel called to ministry. And somehow I connected with Luke Simmons. I said, Hey, man, I really am thinking about ministry. And he basically said, Be a part of a healthy church. I'm starting one. Uh, if you want to come join, no promises. There's no job on the table, but come out and be a part of it. So we moved back, and I didn't know the East Valley at all. I remember driving around thinking, This place is odd, and we got an apartment in Chandler and I taught in Tempe um, and eventually worked my way into a job and it kind of panned out like I hoped it would. So that's how we got there. Uh, Aubrey knew them a lot. Aubrey knew all the guys. I, I kind of came in as a I'm with her thing. So.
4: Yeah. So sort of the, um, the story I he- I've heard, and you can maybe verify this <laughs> or say no, it didn't actually happen quite that way. But the idea was that Tyler and uh, Tyler Johnson and Justin Anderson got together and talked about what would it look like if East Valley and Praxis, right. and Praxis at the time was Tempe and Arcadia, if they merged and became one church, right. better together, Redemption Church? Yeah. And then Luke, who had planted Second right. Mile out of East Valley Bible right. Church, I understand kind of came in and said, what if we become right. one of the congregations? Is that kind of how Which is matters?
3: insane, because he had done all the hard work, all the annoying paperwork to be his own entity right. and autonomous, and he's watching Redemption kind of Form at the very early stage and he's like I'm exactly like them in every way yeah I'm Schrader two point I'm that's my disciple. why don't I just join up and see what God's doing through what he seems to be putting together at redemption so it was him and the elders decision basically to say do we want to put aside second mile language and be done with our own thing and kind of get grafted back in yeah. to the family we left
4: so we're glad <laughs> yeah. they did, right? Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was oh, a great yeah. decision. Yeah. Um, and but then Alhambra was right after that. Alhambra right came the same in time? after that. Same idea. Yeah. But it was interesting because um, Second Mile came in probably a year and a half before Alhambra did, yeah. when it was still really messy. Re- we were yes. still trying right. to figure out. Were you there then or you came after? I, I came just after Justin left. Okay. But we were still like right. we were trying to figure what out. What is this thing? We want a sandbox, but right. what does the sandbox yeah. look like? In other words, the area in which you can play yeah. if you're a redemption church. Yeah. And what does that look like? Right. We we're still writing documents yeah. and <laughs> papers and things. So, yeah. really interesting. Let me look yeah. at my list here, see uh, if there's anything else. Uh, yeah, you grew up in the West Side. Where'd you go to high school? Peoria High School. Grew wow. up at 83rd in Peoria. So, my folks Serious still live West
3: up Side. Andy. Is yeah. that serious West Side? That's serious. Well, there's West like, Side. That's not you got Buckeye surprise
4: way more west of there the three oh three
3: is a thing now like,
4: I know yeah. by by the way I wanted to mention uh, I grew up listening to Larry Wright on Crux. Really? yeah I remember him as a dis Lucky wow. Larry Lucky Lawrence Lucky Lawrence yeah on, as a disc jockey anyway so you grew up in, <laughs> in the Can't west side up. did you play sports in high Played school baseball wrestled in football
3: you know no hockey that's what I that's what I thing, wanted yeah. to get at is, like
4: Redemption is a baseball church uh, generally. Well, now, Arcadia is kind of a, a soccer church, but really? Redemption overall is a baseball. Gotcha. My kids are soccer people, so, okay. yeah. yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, we've never seen an NFL jersey here on a Sunday, really? but we see soccer jerseys all yeah. the time. I always thought they were like pajamas. Vince is a soccer uh, guy. Vince Garvey, Vince yeah. Garvey,
3: okay. Up he in loves Flagstaff.
4: soccer. Okay. Cool.
3: Every time okay. I see him, he's watching a soccer match. So That's, he got that.
4: He's never studying the Bible? You know, That's too bad. Not okay. once. All right. Okay. All right. I think I've gotten through most of what I wanted to ask Great. you, except for this last item. Uh, tell us about uh, if if uh, somebody here or somebody yeah. watching the live stream or later on the recording wants to know more about Redemption North Mountain, yeah. what do they need to do?
3: Yes, yeah, so we actually have a website already, which is funny to me, but we do. It's uh, nm.redemptionaz. So same as Arcadia, is there? It's an NM because North Mountain's too long. You can go there, and it's kind of my bio and what the launch team is going to be doing just so you know our timeline we plan on launching january 10th officially as a church with like a sunday open to the public gathering over at 24th street and cactus um in the fall we're just kind of coming together as a team because like i said it's a lot of people that have felt like the language my wife and i use is there's this river and god kind of pulled us in and now he's kind of pushing other people in And we're kind of moving in the same direction. So now it's the season of figuring out what we are as a team. Uh, So we're going to do some launch team training Sunday afternoon, evening through the fall with the hope of uh, launching publicly. So what you can do is just be praying for me, number one. Uh, Really just invest here if this is your church because I love the church. And I really don't care where people are at. I want them to really love the local church. But if that area, for whatever reason... Just bubbles up, the Spirit's doing something there, or maybe the new thing, a new, new church plant, whatever it is that God may be stirring in you, you can reach out to me. People my, who want to work hard. Yeah, people who want to work very hard. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exactly uh, right.
4: And that reminds me one other thing seven families moved from Queen Creek yeah. up here with you. Yeah, that Southeast alone should speak volume. Yeah, it's, God's
3: doing something, so. Yeah. Yeah, and then, so. you know, Chandler, that guy, so we got him too, yeah. which is fun. Um, but yeah, you can email awesome. me. It's a simple yeah. joshua@redemptionaz at Redemption AZ, and just as you ask questions, don't be bashful. This is what the season is for me, connecting and answering questions yeah.
4: and bringing people in. Kind of your secondary office right now is Press Coffee at 32nd and yep. so yep. You just go upstairs there, and you'll jo- probably run into Josh there. there, so. Yep, yep. Um, both of us. Chandler, would you please come up? Uh, right now and then uh, the Tyler's are, the, are Tylers. the Tyler's around a Tyler
0: singular. at least one
4: half of the Tyler's are here so come up to pray here he comes he was in the green room yes the Tyler's ladies and gentlemen the Tyler's yes here so since we're gonna get closer I'll... mine's over there <laughs> before we move into uh, communion in our last song led by the band and Chandler I want to just pray for you guys so yeah, thanks. Uh, Lord God as uh, we prayed earlier today uh, we do ask for your blessings your wisdom your hope and your insight for Josh and Chandler and all the people who are going to be involved in this new work at Redemption North Mountain again as we prayed this morning um, You have told us that the harvest is just massive, uh, but the workers are few, and yet you are continuing to call workers, and so we are blessed by that. We are blessed by hearing from Josh today, his passion uh, as well as his wisdom, uh, and the fact that that, uh, he understands, he understands as we all should, that if you don't build this house the workers are going to labor in vain and so he's relying on you relying on your wisdom relying on the movement of the holy spirit relying on the resurrection of your son so as he goes as chandler goes uh, we just pray again your blessings on them it's going to be hard at times it's going to be challenging there's even going to be times of questioning but god i just pray that you would give him the wisdom to battle through that, give him the strength to be able to do that as well. And God, that you would have all the glory as we wait for the return of your son. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, can you thank Josh and Chandler for being here today? So we are going to have a, a time now of, of uh, taking communion together. And you have your, your little kits there somewhere on the chairs those of you at home we hope that you have prepared your elements if not you can prepare those now Uh, again just in reading and studying god for whatever reason continues to impress upon me the importance of this moment this is a sacrament it is a sacred time It is a confession of our sin. It is a testimony of our reliance on Jesus. And it is a time of uh, celebration as well. We think about the sin that Jesus paid for, but we also celebrate the fact that we can have this meal with him. It is a wonderful, wonderful time. And Jesus set it up specifically that way, with his closest group even somebody who was getting ready to betray him he set it up specifically that way talking about how the bread was his body which is going to be broken for us and how the cup the wine is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of our sins and Paul reminds us that as often as we do this together as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup we proclaim Jesus's death until he comes again So as you're ready, go ahead and take the elements, and then if you can, and if you're led, you can stand and sing the rest of the song as as, uh, the worship team leads us. Let's do that now.
2: saved, find their way At the sound of your grace All condemned Feel no shame At the sound Of your great name Every fear Has no place At the sound Of your great name The enemy has to leave at the sound of your grace.
0: So glad to have been together this morning. Thank you so much for worshiping the Lord. Uh, As you exit, if you would exit out that door so that we can start to prepare for those who will be coming in for our second service. Uh, Let me give you this uh, benediction today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. Go and live all of life, all for Jesus.